Welcome to the Roll for Crit podcast. You are listening to this show, presumably, because you want to hear news and discussion about board, card, and role-playing games. We're talking about that stuff. Tabletop games of all kind, that's what it's about. A lot of things to discuss on this week's show, as is usually the case. We we rarely have a, a quiet week anymore. There's always a lot going on. I'm Jonathan Estes. I'm Will Keeler, and yeah, I mean, that's how things tend to go, where everyone's gearing back up again because we're like, we need to do things. <laughs> we you need know? to do it's things. E- it's either nothing or everything's all in. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the, you know, the, the, there used to be like quiet periods at the beginning of the year. It's, maybe it's still relatively quiet, at least in terms of releases, but there's a lot of stuff on Kickstarter this week. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to all that. But first, we do have to check in with our podcast mascot for new listeners or anyone who's forgotten. This, of course, is Roland F. Criterion. That's right. A, an Asimar bard character who we created using uh, the Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, what, what's the name of this website? Beyond. D&D Beyond website. And uh, he's been going on adventures and every week he has to overcome a challenge. Now, last week, well, well to catch you up on the story so far, he's been recruited into sort of a, a revolutionary team of freedom fighters in a strange city. And his first task was to try to break one of their partners out of a jail cell. And in an attempt to do so and check for weaknesses in the bars, the town sheriff entered from the door behind him and uh, has now drawn his crossbow and is aiming it right at Roland. This is this is devastating edge of your seat cliffhanger type of stuff. And I don't know how it's going to go down, but to help us figure out how it's going down, we have a great guest. Joining our party this week, we have a game designer whose published works include Danger Park from Story Machine Games, a friend of ours. Welcome to the show, Ben Sobine. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it looks like we're in a bit of a tricky situation here. We are. <laughs> we're in a we're in a sticky situation. Yeah, uh, Roland does not have the best luck in terms of situations. He doesn't just find nice treasure. He always seems to... Uh, and at the, on the wrong side of a crossbow. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so we, we need your help. We need your help more than anything, Ben. Any Whatever your imagination can conjure, and of course, uh, Roland is a low-level character, but if you have questions uh, about any specific, uh, maybe spells or items that he has that might help, uh, can supply okay. that information for you. But what, what do okay. you think he should do in this scenario? So just to scope my picture, my hands are on these prison bars and the guys pointing crossbow right at me that's right uh, do i have am i am i good at persuasion oh well you yeah you are a bard and you have a pretty good uh pretty good charisma skill okay uh let me think here uh so let's go with i'm i'm the uh i'm the jail cell tester i'm here to test out the strength of these bars uh <laughs> looks like these ones are okay uh if you'll let me continue my work here uh we can uh we can just uh, move along uh this is i mean i love it i love the confidence well will you gotta roll a d20 for us and i do let's see if this goes are we making a persuasion check here uh you know what it's a 12 but with the plus 618 i that sounds pretty good (laughs) yeah yeah i mean uh roland tends to get away with a lot of things with his uh charm alone okay Okay. And in, indeed, indeed, oh, very successful. I mean, the sheriff, he's skeptical. He's a little confused. He doesn't remember booking this appointment, but but he does lower his crossbow and uh, he, he's no longer looking to take off Roland's head. 
and uh, he's gonna he's gonna sit Roland down. He he might ask for some credentials, but I think this will give Roland a, a chance to either make mm-hmm. a getaway or or cause some other kind of commotion. Okay. Uh, on the on the next week's episode, but that's it for this week. Mm-hmm. That's all we're going to find out. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like a it's like a comic strip. You get a little you get a little bite every every week, except it's much much slower than the real. No, actually, comic strips are really slow if you read the story I mean, ones. Most story ones are pretty slow at the end of the day. So you know you're getting a nice piecemeal. Yeah, exactly. At some at some point, you'll be able to listen to the combined Roland segments, which are probably like thirty minutes, and it's <laughs> maybe it tells a good story. <laughs> I don't know, uh, but but uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know, and I don't know why you would, uh, we we do go way back with you, Ben. We, we, we all yeah. went to high school together, so it's fun to have you on the show. Hey, I'm certainly glad to be here. Super glad to catch up. Yeah, so this is exciting. We're all in the board game world. Uh, we've got things to talk about, as I mentioned, and we're going to begin with some board game news in the news roundup segment. News roundup. And there's a there's our little bumper. Hope you hope you like that. Get ready for more of that. <laughs> Excellent. And all right, let's talk about news. So uh, a few weeks back, we talked about the fact that Wizards of the Coast uh, was promoting, I guess, so to speak, uh, their own CEO is now going to be moving up to Hasbro at large, which of course means there was a vacancy in the position for Wizards of the Coast, and now they have put someone new into that role cynthia williams who formerly is from microsoft as oddly enough was the previous ceo chris cox so apparently microsoft knows how to put people out who want to go work at wizards of the coast and uh she is going to be heading up all the day-to-day operations you know all the normal ceo stuff that comes along with that role worth noting i think that hasbro has actually kind of merged or expanded the wizards of the coast division it's actually called wizards of the coast and digital gaming so she's going to be uh, in charge of both of those aspects and alongside this we also got a kind of an earnings report from hasbro for the year which confirmed what i think we we kind of knew that wizards of the coast is a powerhouse and makes a lot of money and according to the report uh they are generating roughly like 72 percent of of Hasbro's profits for the year. Uh, it's wow. some kind of crazy number if the uh, if the math uh, is to be believed that uh, has done on, on ICV2.com, which we'll put a link to. And I, I trust their math, generally speaking. But they reached, Wizards of the Coast as a company in 2021 uh, hit a billion dollars in revenue for the first time. Presumably, most of that from Magic and then D&D would be mm-hmm. my guess. Uh, ben, what, are you someone who uh, follows uh, Wizards of the Coast and their games closely? Do, and do you have any thoughts on maybe what it means for this Microsoft Wizards Hasbro relationship mm-hmm. and maybe the expansion of digital gaming in that front? Because these are people who come from a background of video games uh, or anything else on the subject. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like speaking to just like the success of Magic the Gathering in general, uh, living in Syracuse, New York, I live down the street from TCG Player, uh, where they're centrally located. And I know a lot of people who work over there and they are the busiest they've ever been. So just seeing the kind of resurgence of Magic and also seeing how popular D&D is in the zeitgeist right now between pretty much every all these live play shows coming out 
constantly. I'm not surprised to hear they're finally hitting a billion dollars. That's amazing. And speaking to like video, the video games in general, I can definitely see the desire to push in that direction, uh, especially with all these companies keep saying the word metaverse over and over again. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We don't know really what it means, but it just means cloud gaming, I think. Uh, so <laughs> like the I really have I've enjoyed Hearthstone and I've heard the uh, virtual version of Magic the Gathering is really excellent as well. Uh, so I I expect to see that these things will be pushed and definitely encouraged in this digital future as like we keep seeing these like virtual collections of cards in addition to your real collection of cards. Uh, it's it's certainly a lot to kind of juggle, right? Yeah, yeah, they have a, they have a lot of different departments. I mean, even just within just magic alone, there's so much to figure out. How long before we see magic NFTs? I mean, is that just a matter of time? I I, I certainly hope not. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing something at least relating in like the field of the collectible card game. Like, I bet I bet you within the next two months we'll see a guy saying like this is the first nft card game it's like hearthstone but with nfts and well it's not gonna work but it <laughs> it'll be talked about it, it may or may not surprise you to learn this but uh I, a month or two ago maybe we did have guests on the show uh friends of the show uh, they have a podcast hobbies and happiness who also they they there is a game that exists that is a thing i can't remember the name of it right oh now but yeah. there is an online trading card game where all the cards are nfts <laughs> that sounds like like the the sheer madness of the back end of that system just sounds so like it like why why <laughs> <laughs> yeah a question i can't uh fully answer you uh right now uh will i now i don't think that the, I didn't see a full breakdown, at least where I looked, of you know how much of this was like the digital aspect of it. But do you think, as a as someone who's you know follows Magic pretty closely, do you, does it seem like they will be moving more into digital directions? Does it seem like the Magic Arena I, and all that's pretty big right now? I they really want to. Um, Arena, unfortunately, has been having a tough time as of late. Uh, with the whole changes and unfortunately just the way that they've been. The problem with Arena is right now the most popular form in the physical format is Commander, which uses mm -hmm. Magic's entire history. Magic Arena does not have every card on there because it would take a very long time to program every card because they don't just put a card in there. They, you know, it has sound effects. It has, the, the, you know, they, they, they spruce it up. Makes sense. So, the, and the way that they've been doing Standard right now is not nearly as popular. That Standard, by the way, being the the format that only uses the like the last few release sets. And unfortunately, I think they need to work. If they can make that popular, Arena will go back up again. But, I mean, time and time again, I've seen them trying to expand. And we're still waiting on that Netflix show. I think it's a smart move. I mean, they brought up in the article how they brought in a new person who's worked on mobile gaming. Though, they say producer of... Marvel Contest of Champions and other AAA games. I would not call Marvel Contest of Champions a AAA <laughs> game. That said, I think it is where they really should go. And going along with the metaverse, I think what they should... Because when I think metaverse, I also think VR. They should try to go all in there. Because one of the big things in Magic is going to different worlds and experiencing them. So if they made little like areas like this is... Ravnica, this is Kamigawa, and you can walk around and say hi. Like that's sort of cross-branding advertising. 
Yeah. So that, that's definitely optimistically, good. I think they they should. <laughs> yeah, they have such amazing settings. Like they like creating just like an explorable space within those settings. That'd be just incredible marketing and just a great thing to put out there for the community, right? Oh yeah, I mean, the card game itself. I mean, you can get the world and the setting from it, but I do think they haven't really pushed, like, really pushed into the actual lore and story aspect. Like, they've started releasing D&D books, which are good, but something that's a bit more than just a collectible card game, which they easily have. They have the mm -hmm. world that rivals, I mean, why D&D is a good example, but also, like, Warhammer, your Lord of the Rings. They just need to use it outside of just in their card game. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's it seems like that's what they're working towards next. And like you, you mentioned, the Netflix show and we've been talking about Dungeons and Dragons as having a, a movie and also a TV show, a TV series coming up. So I, I think that is the next step. I feel like they have pretty much dominated the tabletop world. And I think what they need to do to keep spreading and growing is now get themselves even more mainstream appeal which means movies now enough, right from what i have heard and this could be maybe their big biggest challenges it they they dominated the american market hmm. from what i heard it's not nearly as big internationally there's and that's other why markets? like that's the only one i am familiar with <laughs> like i know they have a lot more if you a lot more recent sets that have like exclusive japanese promos like they're mm -hmm. desperately trying to become bigger over there problem is tcgs i think are a much more competitive marketplace there because they the, the gachapon system of randomness is much is very popular and that in essence is what a tcg is so if they can get a larger footing in other areas i think would be a big deal for them and maybe I, that is why they're trying to bring on other people from like uh, the the person taking charge has worked at Microsoft and Amazon. But then again, it could be also that Microsoft and Wizards of the Coast are both. I'm pretty sure based in, around Seattle, so it's you know uh, it's just a pure to go far. Yeah, I, I think they're both in Redmond, so it, it's like going down the street. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> Nintendo's up there too. That's like a that's a fun yeah, area. Yeah, they're all up there. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would imagine that uh, the Dungeons and Dragons movie will be pretty big in China, if I had to guess. I feel like that's are we talking about the one with Jeremy Irons from like two thousand and five? Yeah, Marlon Wayans, right? Yeah, uh, bring that one back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, obviously that's going to be like that's going to be proven to be the uh, original Spider-Man of the new D and D universe. There'll be a multiverse crossover or something. Anyway. Uh, so that's all happening. Wizards of the Coast shows no sign of slowing down. They're growing. They're bringing new people in. Next, let's talk about a property that uh, formerly was originally was published by Wizards of the Coast. Right? Remember, remember back in the the old days, uh, the Pokemon trading card game mm. has announced that they are coming out with a new set of cards to be released this summer themed around the Pokemon Go digital game. It's coming back to mobile games that may or may not be AAA. I don't know how you define it. Uh, but uh, we don't know many details about this, but of course, Pokemon Go is the huge AR craze on phones, and it looks like these new cards will be based on kind of the CG graphic style of that game. I don't know if these oh. are brand new cards or just new artwork, because of course all these Pokemon exist already in the in the card game. Ben, were you a? Did you get into the Pokemon Go craze? And do, yeah. is there anything you think that could be like unique or cool about a crossover? So, like this? 
I was never a Pokemon Go player uh, per se, but uh, I worked in a lot of malls, so I've definitely <laughs> witnessed uh, Pokemon Go a lot in my day. Uh, so, you know, I think it's a fine game. Like, people really seem to still enjoy it. Like, every now and then I forget it exists, and then I still hear it has millions of players. I'm like, oh, good for good for Pokemon Go. It, it's still thriving. <laughs> uh, but the to hear like yeah we're making a pokemon card based off the pokemon game for mobile like okay cool uh <laughs> it's kind of like I, snake eating its own head or something it's like, like, it's like an uroboros right yeah. like it's like wow okay that's that's pretty cool like they'll be highly desirable and highly collectible right but i guess they're kind of entertaining that market of people who've kept pokemon alive just on their phones <laughs> it is crazy like you think the pokemon go craze ended but yeah it, that it's consistently the number one like game on phones that makes millions every year yeah. uh so I, people are just like hiding now when they play there's not as obvious about it uh i mean one idea i had was maybe they there could be some sort of like a qr code or something on these cards mm -hmm. maybe it actually links to the game itself uh i don't know will is that anything that you maybe would be i, I actually think that's a really good uh i think a reasonable prediction in fact Ooh. this is one of the things where i think magic needs to learn from pokemon if you open a regular pack of pokemon cards it comes with a card with a qr code where you can type it into their online thing and get a pack okay which magic does not have and i'm like that should be a given if you want a re like if i get a free pack on arena for buying your product I'm going to use both more often. So the idea of them having something that would reward you in the Pokemon Go game as well just seems like a very easy choice. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I would hope they go with new cards, and I think they would because, I mean, I mean, the Pokemon card game is still going strong. And as far as I know, sure, every now and then it's like Pokemon XY, whatever the new game is. But then they do something like Steamforge or... The Celestial War, you know, they just like, we, we got to come up with another weird set name for new <laughs> right. cards. It's But it's what they cool should do for their gimmick. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, how, remember back when, back, this is one of the early sets when I think all of us would have played the, like, you can get like Team Rocket Blastoise or something. Mm -hmm. They should have like Team Mystic Vaporeon, you know, Team mm. Valor, Flareon, that kind of stuff. Like that are related to the teams a bit. And I think that would be something that would be really fun to, with the game. Yeah, it looks like on the uh, art they showed they not just Pokemon. They do show like a Poke Stop and also the the one guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of trainer cards. I think they were called in the yeah. game and stuff. So I'm sure those will be making their appearance as uh, those. Things. Though it could be funny if it's like you play the Pokemon Go Stop, like pull up your Pokemon Go app. <laughs> if the nearest base is controlled by Mystic Game, draw a card if controlled by. They, I feel like they would do that. <laughs> they, they could get meta with it. Yeah, they could have some stuff like yeah. that. Uh, so that's fun. If you're a Pokemon fan, I don't. It, it is. It's funny, but maybe you know, maybe if you like the game, the cards. There's no reason they couldn't turn out to be interesting. Yeah, Pokemon trading card game is also bigger than it's ever been. Right. Gotta get those that shadowless Charizard. <laughs> mm -hmm. It really is like you know, in 1999 or whatever, everyone referred to Pokemon as a fad, and everyone we all, or at least adults at the time, I feel like assumed that this isn't going to be a thing. It's Beanie Babies, it's Tamagotchis or whatever. But it's mm -hmm. it just grows and grows and grows and never stops. It is kind of wild. Well, part of it, I, I mean, 
part of it one is I think compared to Beanie Babies and maybe Tamagotchi would be closer, but like it had a because it had the video games, it has a much solid, more solid like entertainment base. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And the other thing is most adults back then, and maybe I'm wrong, I feel their generation, like there was more close to our generation, was is the generation of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. We we hang on to we're like, no, this is still good. And we can do more good stuff with it. So it's much easier for these companies to stay in their lane for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Why for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon. Uh, so look forward to those Pokemon Go cards sometime this summer and more details if you want to find out exactly what they are. Uh, now there's a few new game announcements that I thought would be fun to touch on. The biggest one, I think, comes from Stonemeyer Games. Anytime there's a new Stonemeyer title i feel like it's it's kind of a big deal to some extent and this one is a new edition of an older game that they were not previously the publisher on libertalia and this one is called libertalia winds of gale crest am i saying libertalia libertalia i don't i don't know i don't know which one is right anyway this is a pirate themed hand management game and uh this is according to the announcement a completely a revised and expanded version of it. It's got extra content. They've changed some of the core rules from the original. It also has a slightly new theme with all new artwork. Instead of pirates, now it's sky pirates. So Mm. you can go full uh, skies of Arcadia in this one. Uh, I'm excited about this. Uh, Having not played the original game, I, I just from a glancing at it, at least the artwork to me, looks much more appealing and i i think sky pirates are cool ben have you, have you played the uh original libertalia i haven't uh it's this new version looks very pretty uh you know definitely got that stone Meyer touch uh looks mm-hmm. pretty fun like i i'm also in for sky pirates uh being a <laughs> treasure a treasure planet fan oh yeah yeah <laughs> underrated classic oh yeah now <laughs> I have a question for you, Jonathan. I agree as with both of you. Very colorful, all in on flying around. <laughs> Do you think, though, the theme change was because it's easier to mess around with? I don't know, Sky Pirates, to make it look more colorful. Do you think it, or do you think it's also to get away from, you know, we've been having a bit of a renaissance, not the right word, um, reckoning, Maybe I guess you could use, of games set in more historical pasts and how sometimes they may not represent mm. them fairly. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I can't, what was the game recently? I mean, there's sort of been multiple examples of pirate themes games where Jamaica. Not, yeah. Maybe it was Jamaica. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, that's a good point. If you said it, if it's fantastical, then it's, you know, you don't need to worry about things like that. I mean, my guess would be, it's just, I, I, at least on the surface it's just i don't know you're, if you're going to do a new version you want to kind of switch it up a little bit it's just fun yeah. to make them fly <laughs> oh yeah i mean i'm all for it i'm just curious if, because i could understand that being something a bit work because no matter what you know there's going to be one side saying like oh it's not fair that you're changing it even though you're making more historical accurate because it's not how the original version looked mm-hmm. or something and this way like look we can design characters to be whatever we want Everyone can feel like there's a good place and we don't have to hear, be worried about a comment section. <laughs> you can have a robot pirates in there. Yeah, whatever you like want. It, mm-hmm. It's easier to include everybody when you kind of make the setting a little more open. Right, right. Yeah. 
So yeah, that that is cool. I'm looking forward to trying that one out soon. That that is going to be releasing sometime and going up for pre-order in March. So you don't have long too long to wait. Uh, also, Plat Hat Games announced the new Quirky Circuits game. This is a programming game uh, designed by Nikki Valens, and this is a new standalone follow-up to it. Quirky Circuits Penny and Gizmo's Snow Day. Uh, I, I've only got to uh, demo this game once at a convention, uh, but it's a programming game where you're like running around the room. There's a cat on a Roomba. You're you know playing cards, trying to get yourself not to crash into things and completing missions in a little book. And I think it's a really cute, fun game. I thought this was at least somewhat interesting because it is not an expansion. It's like a smaller standalone game. And I think that's kind of cool sometimes when a company will have like a separate version of it almost a kind of plat had almost did that with dead of winter as well back in the day where you could like sort of buy sort of buy either standalone version of the game if you want uh i don't know ben did you ever play a, a quirky circuit <laughs> or is it- um i haven't played quirky circuits but i do like uh the design of the spiral bound the board oh, yeah. i think it really allows for a lot uh, and gives a lot of replayability because you can just you know pack so much in there um, and these these minis look cute. Like it definitely looks like a fun programming game for sure. Yeah, we we you gotta love the anytime a game has a book and yeah. you don't have to set up a board. <laughs> no, well, in, the spiral one is perfect because you know if it's a regular book, you have to worry if you're damaging the spine. To but you want to like to lay it flat. The spiral solves that. Usually, you could yeah. still fit it pretty well. You like design around it to fit into the box just as mm-hmm. just as fine. And like, like we said with Gloomhaven, you know, really cuts down on, on setup time, even though the maps are smaller. It, it really is something we need to see more of. Yeah. Just don't get too excited about spirals. They can be I've I've read stories where they are bad. You guys know <laughs> what I'm talking about. It's <laughs> a perfect lead up. Japanese uh, horror manga. Yeah, horror. That's right. That's that's what it was. It was a segue. It wasn't just my brain slowly dying. It's a perfect lead, <laughs> lead up. Uh, Everything the other one, one is planned. This one I really want to talk about. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure how long the info about this game has been out there, but I just heard about it and it should be coming out soon. And I I wanted to highlight it because I know it's one that. Will will be. Oh, I'm in. in. I'm in. Let's go. Let's it go. So good. Yeah, it is Bureau of Investigation. I mean, I, I will say, not a great title. <laughs> Bureau of Investigation: <laughs> Colon Investigations in Arkham and Elsewhere. And this is from Space Cowboys, and it is the in the same uh, line slash system as the Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective series which also at the top of the box it says sherlock holmes consulting detective making the title look even more <laughs> ludicrous like the box is like the layout of this box is not great <laughs> there's just there's a lot going on with words and, and everything but th- you know it's if you haven't played sherlock holmes this is uh a narrative based game where you're reading through a big book trying to solve clues and uh figure out mysteries but it looks like this one, of course, is going to be all Lovecraft themed. And from the details that I have managed to glean, it sounds like there will be some changes to the system. There will be more of um, more of a pressure on you as to how much you can explore. And also some things that won't be explained by the end of the mysteries because, you know, that's sort of the unknowable Lovecraft thing. Yeah. I, this is also, of course, very similar to a game that came out a while back called Mythos Tales 
which is basically what is what this game is, except this one is from the official publisher who also did the consulting detective series. It sounds like we're all we're all on board with this. We're all excited yeah, about this. Like, uh, <laughs> Sherlock right. Holmes is great. This looks really fun. I've been saying that they should do this for a while because while I like Mythos Tales, it is very rough around the edges. And you can't buy it anymore. So <laughs> that too. Um, mm -hmm. But I completely agree. I think what they need to do, the, the title and stuff, first of all, I think they need to drop the Sherlock Holmes, just say the consulting detective series. Yeah, I agree. Like it's much shorter. It gets idea of cross. It's a mystery solving game. And it doesn't get anyone confused like, oh, Sherlock's in this. Yeah. It, and this it way, they can, the door. right. And then, you know, the next one could be, you know, instead of 1920s Cthulhu, it could, and maybe we're stepping on some toes here with other mystery games, you know, cyberpunk <laughs> LA or something. It's kind of like mm -hmm. what the uh, Phoenix Wright video game series when they, the later ones kind of just became Ace Attorney. Yeah. I, right. Like they really realized they could do a lot more if they, let Phoenix just kind of sit back and they added a couple more characters. <laughs> right, right. It's in, And then you have like the reason why every Metroid game has got to have Metroids in it because it's called Metroid. All right, we don't need to get into video games right now. <laughs> now, what I am curious and what I hope happens here, if you know, like, and this could probably not happen, but the box, one of the things that is also really present is that badge that does say US, which mm -hmm, I assume means mm -hmm. USA. I would mm -hmm. assume so as well, though this is a French-designed game, yeah. Right. But what I'd love to see then if be like, if I assume this will sell well. I mean, Cthulhu and Sherlock series, both of them have sell very well. That the next one would be then, I mean, different name, like Bureau, whatever it is, but it would be like a European, maybe like just French or all European, and then like you can go to different areas because Lovecraft, one of the things about many Lovecraft games, they're very, I mean... It makes sense they're very um, American-centric in terms of their locations. I mean, that is, right? Like, weren't most of the Lovecraft stories, like, in right, Massachusetts? Right, but yeah. also, I also believe it's it's not mandatory. Right. As long right. as, you know, I think got the right culture uh, consultants along the way. There, there's been enough. interesting stories of, of elsewhere. We have we have enough Lovecraft games out there that you know one of them could possibly switch it up a little bit. <laughs> that, I guess yeah, that's I, one thing I will say is I don't I, I wonder how much this game will really surprise me in terms of what it does with that theme because you know we just have seen it so much. Yeah, that's the worry, right? It's like how many times can you say can you retell Shadows of Innsmouth like <laughs> the same story? Like we're gonna, it's definitely gonna be in there, but like, how are they gonna do it this time? Is right. definitely like yeah. an Arkham thing, and that is one of the shames because I don't, I don't feel like, like I feel as zombies, we have hit. I don't. I, it's very hard for me to come up with a new avenue. I feel everyone's just too afraid to leave 1920s Arkham. Yeah, like there <laughs> is no reason why Narlatep can't be messing around with. NFTs or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Like, like, uh, Isn't that what the N stands for? <laughs> oh my god, god. the closest we get. Hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a, that's a good point of comparison. Uh. Yeah. Interesting that you know this is all owned still or partially by uh you know Asmo Day. I'm surprised this isn't an official. They didn't just make this an Arkham Horror crossover. Uh. But kind of glad that they didn't. I, you know, if they put the Arkham Horror stamp on it, then they have to really 
do the formula right because the arkham horror stamp means they have to hit like x y and z at least in my experience like it, it always has this set of characters this set of stories yeah and here are the guys right right that yeah, might so. be why this has been so long they could have they probably like eh, do we wanna eh, you know like <laughs> i do think um this is i mean that's because lovecraft in general you know being in the uh public domain mm-hmm. better to just make this its own thing and for the sake of i mean they're still in 1920s but you probably can still do try to go different yeah and come like- up with a funner mystery like there's a push to move away from Lovecraft too, because you know Lovecraft is inherently just like a he's a pretty miserable individual. So <laughs> okay. we we do like to see new stories in the right. like in the space, and that's well, that's one of the greatest things I love about Lovecraft being in the public domain is we can use it, which gives makes it much easier for you to access it. But you can tell a new story that inherently pretty much gives the middle finger mm-hmm. to everything we hate about Lovecraft. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Winnie the Pooh is public domain. Let's get a Winnie the Pooh consulting detective. Right? Listen, Winnie the Pooh consulting detective, like Christopher Robbins, <laughs> is found like dead in a field, and Winnie has to figure this out. No, 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 oh, no. Yeah. You play as Christopher Robbins. Winnie the Pooh is like the Sherlock Holmes, and he's like, I solved it in three steps. Oh, bother. <laughs> okay. I feel like you switched those roles. I, I would feel like it'd be the other way around, but you know what? I, I, I like it. We'll go for it. Okay. Anyway. So uh, this is I, I don't I'm not sure if this is an exact date sometime this year, but we'll probably be hearing more about it soon. Pretty, pretty interesting stuff. That's the news this week. I don't know why I sang that. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Let's <laughs> move on and talk about Kickstarter games in Kickstarter Pickstarter. Oh, this one looks nice. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice. This one. Kickstarter Pickstarter. That's right. There are several interesting Kickstarter games, I think, this week that we'll get to discuss. But uh, before we get into more of them, each of us uh, is going to just going to get one pick that's our ultimate special favorite one that's up this week. Starting with you, Ben, what's what are you excited about? Um, you know, I got to shout out Men of the Hollower. Uh, I don't know if you guys talked about that one yet. Um, no, it's a new I Yacht Club don't. game. Uh, it looks great. Uh, Yacht Club Games, the guys who did Shovel Knight. Ah, this looks course, really fantastic. Uh, very Game Boy style. Uh, it kind of has this unique jumping system that I'm seeing by the GIFs and the descriptions. So I look forward to seeing another game from them. I played all the Shovel Knight inter- iterations, so I'm always happy to see a new IP coming from a company that's been doing a good job. Have you also played all the Shovel Knight board games? I haven't gotten a chance to even like grab them. Whenever I see them, they're like sold out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah there's a there's a good chance mina the hollower will end up at the on the tabletop at some point but yeah th- this does look very very cool uh it it's definitely got some of that uh i think people have a lot of people compared it to Link's awakening uh mm-hmm. it sort of has that kind of vibe but it's fun to see you know taking the technology the aesthetic of older technology but it's not running like older technology <laughs> yeah these these indie games that have just embraced the old aesthetics it's like oh great we can have these games that didn't run very well now run very well and play the way that they should have right yeah yeah so that's mina the hollower uh very cool and we'll we'll, st- we'll stick with you ben because I, I know you said maybe you got a couple what and what else are you looking at in kickstarter um the other one i'm gonna shout out is uh i'm a 
one of my main side hobbies is miniature painting. I've been doing that for a long time. And this guy named Sleepwalk Air, who has been releasing these very good budget brushes that are very high quality, but in a good price range for people who want to get into miniature painting. And he's doing a uh, terrain line. And for 50 bucks, you can get a lot of very good brushes. Uh, and the other tiers have his other brushes in there, and they're all very reasonably priced, hold a good shape, and uh, like he's a pretty consistent deliverer. So shout out this small business person who is just, this is his fourth Kickstarter, and looks like he's pushing strong. What is the name of this one? Because I may have to back it as someone has uh, is really is going to teach me miniature painting very soon. Yeah, so this is uh, the person who created is sleepwalk air so uh sleepwalk air and it's the ghost brush uh terrain flats and filberts campaign uh as soon as you said it that's when i saw it oh i love that <laughs> thumbnail <laughs> so what what's your main uh the type of miniatures that you is there a specific game system that you like to paint or is it just whatever you get your hands on so uh definitely picked repicked up miniature painting like coincidentally like right before 2020 happened so it was a good thing to just kind of fall into for two years um but it, i've been really enjoying the new kill team system uh from games workshop i think it's a really excellent way to play 40k without spending a million dollars um because it just the compendium for the new kill team is like oh you want to play space marines just buy this box and you're like oh cool uh, and it's very much how it works now. Uh, but the other system I'm looking forward to is this horror system from Black Sight Studios called Don't Look Back. Uh, mm. If you played Dead by Daylight at all. Um, I'm familiar with it, but I haven't actually played it. Yeah. So it's a miniature tabletop game where all the players control campers or counselors at a summer camp. And you are faced with an NPC killer and you are rolling kind of jump scare mechanics for this guy to like jump out of a cabinet or jump behind a tree. Um, and you're all working together to like find the killer and pursue whatever objective uh, would ultimately lead to its defeat or perhaps your escape. Awesome. That sounds yes. cool. And it's a really like interesting take on the tabletop genre. Like you're all working together against this one common foe. Right. Yeah. 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 And of course, being uh, the murderer, I'm sure he can teleport all over the map and just ruin everyone's day. Oh, yeah. And they encourage you to build like terrain that you can go inside of. So like to build a little house so that you guys could be like, quote unquote, at the slumber party campaign. And the killer like jumps out by the end of a bedroom and you have like the whole campaign within one central location. Hmm. That's fun. Have you played uh, Final Girl? Are you familiar with that one at all? I've heard of Final Girl. I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet. Yeah, similar. I mean, it has different setups, but yeah, any, that kind of horror thing is, I think, can be pretty fun in in board games and doesn't really get done that much. Usually, yeah. usually horror in board games means, as we said, zombies or Cthulhu. <laughs> or traitor mechanic. Like the some yeah. person at the table is like, I'm bad now. I've got to go read a new rule book. Uh, the true horror and... is when you start sitting down to the table and see a 50-page rule book. Am I right? Oh, my... gosh. <laughs> well, I think part of the challenge – well, first of all, in general, I think when it comes to things, both board and video uh, – a horror needs to not have the power fantasy. Mm -hmm. And in video games, we see it more because you can program things. Things can be hidden from the player without them knowing. It's much harder at board games because you have to set it up yourself. 
Yeah. <laughs> so you sort of know what's coming. <laughs> you, you know what's coming. Role playing like, does a lot of it, though. That's, yeah, like that's uh, a, that definitely helps a little bit. There's a lot of good uh, role playing systems out there, especially in the horror space. Yeah. All right. I mean, so it, just look at Kickstarter this this week. There's so many for. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's more zines out there. There's more zines. Lots spite, of good zines. In spite of Zine Month not technically happening, <laughs> it's still happening. Uh, but Will, we'll go to you next. What do you got? Kickstarter picks from that sphere? Uh, or I actually want to just two. There's one I just want to say just because the idea to me is hilarious. I don't know if you saw this, Jonathan, then, then, mm, but it's I'll the auto crit D20. It's literally D20 that only has 20s on it. I mean, that's pretty great. <laughs> I just... <laughs> All right. I, I'm to bring that to the table. Just imagine rolling to see how long it would take for someone to know. It's like, you're critic. Wait. There's only 20s on it. Like, just to see. So is it... I mean, it's literally just a die, but with the same number on every side. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, funny. But the one I want to bring up in particular, because I know for me, this is this game was hard to find and they're now releasing new eight. So, and that's the mind management secret missions. Uh, mm. If you don't know, mind management was a very hot game last year. It made a, I think a lot of people's top 10 lists. And if you're the kind of person who likes hidden movement and goals and just messing with everyone's minds, this is one you're going to want to check out. This of course will come with some new secret goals and it looks like also a solo or cooperative mode. I don't know that that was in the original one that uses an app. Hmm. So like, I, I just feel like I got to shout this one out for just also being like the weirdest looking game. It's got a great aesthetic. That's yeah, for like sure. Like, this art is crazy good. Yeah. It is definitely one that does not blend in with other games. Yeah. It's got kind of, I don't know. I almost want to say like a pulp novel yeah. sort of look to it mm -hmm. but yeah, i also it's... like to see the dry erase components i always like to see uh like the inclusion of some dry erase or some modifications to the board yeah. dry erase is great because you can i just as you said modifying stuff and i want more dry erase which cut that wow i want more dry erase because that means when the dry erase pens for my other games die i have another game that has them exactly <laughs> yeah for sure uh that's that's the trick you just got to keep buying a new dry erase game every year and just keep transferring them <laughs> to replenish your supply just keep uh, buying railroad ink <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's different versions of it it's it's fine just buy a new one so yeah this is the deluxe edition of mind management for uh 89 but they also have a, an upgrade kit if you already have the game so that's always appreciated Mm -hmm. Do you like to see the phrase five wooden mayhem tokens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need more mayhem tokens in games. Now, you, you both of you have really left like plenty for me to choose from. Um, but the one that I will specifically highlight, at least starting off, is Reckland Run or Reckland Run. Another one I don't know how you're supposed to say it. Uh, this is from Renegade Game Studios, and it's a, their new solo game that is now a solo series of, I think, two or three different solo games. Uh, and it's from the same designer as uh, Warp's Edge, which was their previous one. And this one is Mad Max-style post-apocalypse. You're a guy with a crazy car with weapons and spikes and all kinds of things coming out of it. And it's a solo game. There's basically you're rolling dice, and you are trying to assign dice to enemies that will trigger their uh, actions against you. Uh, so you actually kind of get to choose at least to some extent or in what order their attacks come at you before you get to retaliate with your own moves. And then there's a phase where, of course, you'll be 
adding on new aspects to your car, gearing it up with different weapons and equipment and stuff like that. Uh, it also has a campaign mode that you're playing through. I really liked Warp's Edge a lot. I, I think that was really fun, uh, but it was, uh, you kind of had to, I think a solo game with a campaign that always really elevates it a lot because it gives mm-hmm. you something towards. So I'm glad to see that addition in here. And there's also, and speaking of Warp's Edge, it's also, this Kickstarter is also for an expansion for Warp's Edge. So yeah, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. So they, they got everything for you here. Yeah, there's uh, a lot in here. It's it's cool. It's called a uh, Reckland Run, and uh, for just the that game, it's forty bucks. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, there's also uh, I thought uh, Will, I feel like you would have seen this and been interested in it. Astro Knights. Did you guys see Astro Knights? I missed this one. <laughs> well, this is from uh, Indie Boards and Cards, and it's basically Aeon's End. Uh, you know, same publisher, and as they say, it's inspired by Eon's End, a deck building game we really liked. And similar to that game, it's one where it's a deck building game, but you never shuffle your deck, uh, which I think was a great mechanic in Eon's End. So you always know where your cards are going to be. Uh, yeah, not only that, uh, less uh, problems with card scuffing. <laughs> right, you don't less need to guilt sleeve of not sleeving. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, similar, it's a co-op game where you're all like playing against bosses and trying to trigger your powers it honestly looks pretty similar to eon's end i think in this one you have like weapon cards you can equip that separate it a little bit but it seems like if you like that game this would be right up your alley uh, it, if it's different enough yeah and it makes sense for them to go i think eon's end had its huge story arc end between the games so it makes it to jump to another theme because it is as you said Jonathan, it's a good system you know, yeah, I, I want more deck building games where you it, don't shuffle them. It's great. <laughs> it is really weird. I don't know why, Jonathan, but the way you said, like, inspired by, I'm like, but you own it. <laughs> you know, like, you know when said you it's hear, part of that like, system or something. Yeah, it's just like when, you, like, when we hear legendary Buffy or something, it's not like inspired by legendary Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so that's Astro Knights. That's on there. Um, there's also I this feel game. Like we, yeah. Oh, I was gonna. Uh, I was go gonna ahead. say we'd be remiss not to mention Rolling Heights since we actually played. Oh that. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I. Well, I guess we. I mean, I was gonna quickly shout out. Yeah, we did do a video previews on our channel for both Rolling Heights and uh, the monsters, monsters and the things that destroy them, <laughs> which is quite a title. That's uh, a great Rolling, title. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. My, that one is a, a fast small card game from the designer of Growl. And uh, Rolling Heights, of course, is the new AEG. So that's Rolling Heights might be one of the biggest ones this week in terms of just marketing and, and presence. <laughs> I, I I mean, there's a, I was going to say there's another one called Iron Forest. I don't want to mention too many, but I really feel like there were a lot of big ones this week. Iron Forest is from the same people who did Ice Cool, which I know a lot of people like. I, I haven't played it, but it's a dexterity game. And this looks like they, you know, Ice Cool seems like kind of a family friendly game. This one has this aesthetic of like, cool mechs and stuff <laughs> it's it does seem it seems to be the next step it still has like smiling creatures just mechanized but it does look hilarious there's a catapult that flings your minis yeah there's these around bottoms two i like that they went vertical with it like ice cool was really interesting in its layout how you just open up the box and there's five boxes inside and you just build this really cool arena to kind of mess around in and I'm glad to see they went vertical with it instead of continuing to spread outwards. 
Yeah, and yeah any, we're, we're big fans of the vertical board games. <laughs> yes, yeah. there aren't that many that do it, but it's it's impressive when you see it. It's it's fun to see. Uh, and the last one I'll I will mention is the tabletop find it book, which uh, is essentially it's from a company, Old Man Games. It's an I Spy book, <laughs> but it's all with Aww. board game components. That's so cute. So it's got this great board game photography of, photography of all these pieces splayed oh out. Oh my god! You, you've got to try to find. The I'm pieces. just looking at the cover. I'm like, oh, that's from Evolution, the Flying <laughs> Evolution expansion. That's from Dinosaur Island. That I think that wagon in the corner isn't that from the um, Plague Game, Jonathan? That oh, you have? Bristol 1350, perhaps. Perhaps I think that that's that looks like a Bristol 1350 trip. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, and what I thought was interesting too is they say in the video for this. You know, he actually got the permission of all these publishers to use all these pieces. And I, I, I actually don't know. I wonder, is that a gray area? Like, do you have to legally ask for that? <laughs> would they sue you if you published a picture of a piece like that? I would I would definitely play it safe, especially if you're using any kind of uh, game yeah, workshop component. And you want their support <laughs> and you want them to, like, you know, be in your corner and talk about the book and stuff. But... I, uh, it is interesting. It is. I don't know. I wonder what the strictly the legality of that is. Uh, but I thought that was cool. It's a tabletop find a book. And anything else uh, that I didn't mention? <laughs> I mentioned a lot. I mean, there's already so much there. We I think we have for everyone to uh, oh, yeah. empty their wallets with. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we'll put links to this stuff, of course, in the show notes, and uh, you can see what you what you like, what you want to back. But now we're gonna move on and talk about games that we've been playing on the actual tables that we own. I don't know if I Table talks. Table talks. Table talk. Once again, our longest and, and most popular segment bumper. <laughs> Stuff that we have been playing in recent days and weeks. Ben, tell me. Tell me. What have you been playing? Oh, uh, well, I... Finally, it arrived at our house. My roommate got their copy of Unsettled, which we played through the first uh, planet of, like the first campaign of the first planet, uh, and died miserably to toxic spores, but had a very good time. Uh, it seems like a really interesting resource slash time management game. Uh, got a little Time Stories vibe going on Ooh. that we enjoyed, like the the building on each mission. Uh but definitely got to f- figure out how to do more with the time given while we uh, attempt to deal with our various uh, encounters on these uh, alien worlds. Now, I don't I don't know if I this was on my radar. Will, is this one that you knew about? I remember talking about it, I thought, a little while back, but um, it has so many things going in and out of my brain. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this was a uh, was this a Kickstarter you backed? This was a Kickstarter my roommate backed uh, a okay. while back, um, and just to kind of frame it out, since you haven't uh, heard about it, it seems it is a space exploration game uh, where you are encountering new worlds and kind of like an interstellar vibe. Like you don't know what's on the planet surface, so you all land on the surface with your droid, and each turn, each player moves through this world, kind of flipping cards and discovering new terrain and new uh scenarios that it line up with the story given uh each planet kind of has a few story decks that you follow through with 
Uh, it's a very satisfying game to play in the physicality of it. It's got these really heavy cardboard uh, plates that you put dice into and tokens. So it's it feels very modular. Um, and you're able to, in, in this Kickstarter, we were given four planets to explore, with each with an increasing difficulty. Um, and the kind of idea is you start the scenario, you go out exploring this planet, and you have a limited amount of time before your oxygen runs out or your fuel runs out. Uh, so you need to accomplish the full scope of the mission and get back uh, with enough time for everyone to escape. Uh, otherwise, it's a, considered a mission failure. So you can't just leave behind one guy and like, eh, we didn't look, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. From my understanding, it's like, you, you all have to get out. Um, especially since a lot of the, uh, scenarios involve all of you have to be actively involved in doing something. Um, we only managed to start the first scenario, but this was one where we had to clear out a variety of toxic spores. So like the scenario involved find, discovering the toxic spores, discovering a creature to deal with said toxic spores, and then trying to deal with said toxic spores. <laughs> uh, this looks great. It sounds like exactly my kind of game with like a f- emphasis on exploration and uh uh, so is is there like a strong narrative as you play or is it more open-ended? Okay. It's very strong narrative. Uh, as I mentioned, definitely has like that time stories vibe where yeah. you are like, it's very heavy story. You're presented with this impossible scenario and a very limited amount of time to do it. Uh, but the purpose I think is to kind of build on it. So yeah, you're going to die the first maybe time you'd get through it. If you get through it the first time alive, that's great. Uh, but the idea is to kind of keep sending crew into the planet until you figure it out. Okay, so you you don't want one crew member to die, but if the entire crew dies, that's all right. <laughs> well, I mean, you all die anyway, so let's try again. <laughs> yeah, that, that all checks out. Uh, cool, so this game is unsettled, and it looks like, uh, since I'm interested now, I can get a copy on eBay for just $250. <laughs> Listen, next time I come down your way, I'll, I'll drag you this go. huge box with me. There you go. Yeah, I wonder if... Uh, uh, if it's popular enough, maybe it'll get another printing or a Kickstarter. I, I, I bet it might get another printing. It, it did raise a, over a mill, so usually mm-hmm. that leads yeah. to something. That's usually yeah, usually pretty likely. Uh, uh, all right, so that's Unsettled. Sounds cool. And I see you've also been playing something that we have experienced, and that's mm-hmm. Tapestry. Yes, so this is the new Tapestry expansion. Uh, my roommate and I have played a lot of Tapestry over the last two years. Uh, definitely just a great sit down and plow through it and enjoy the kind of city building. We each kind of have our own way of playing and just enjoy the, uh, the different societies and civilizations. And this new expansion with its architect, with its art path introduces some uh, cool ways to modify your baseboard. So you get a little more rewards out of each track. Uh, so mm-hmm. you, if, if you're a person who likes the science track and kind of enjoys the the randomness of it, you might enjoy this arts track as well, um, where you're kind of increasing your ability score and then kind of focusing on another track to help you along the way. Now, I, I love to hear that you have been playing this regularly because I feel like, well, for us, we never play anything regularly because <laughs> we're bad at doing that. But uh, I, I feel like Tapestry is almost 
it's one of the slightly lesser loved Stonemeyer games, and I feel like it doesn't. Even though I, I like it a lot, and especially with the uh, expansions that came out, I think both are overall improvements to the game. Uh, I, I don't know. I'd be I'd be curious to hear like how it's held up for you over repeated plays. Yeah. Um... We've probably played it easily over 10 times in our house with guests and just between ourselves. Uh, we have our, our three most played games, Spirit Island, Tapestry, and uh, Railroad Inc. I don't know what that mm. says about our household. Um, <laughs> Interesting mix, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, so, But Tapestry, like, it, for, I think for both of us, uh, my roommate and I, we both played a lot of Rise of Nations when we were really young. And... Tapestry has a severe Rise of Nations vibe, right? Uh, Do you you remember the PC game Rise of Nations from the 90s? Vaguely, but that was never exactly my genre. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was an RTS game uh, where you just kind of explored a civilization and built up. And I I really like Tapestry just because it's uh, it's a simple game where you can focus on just building like a cool city. Uh, it doesn't have to be competitive if you don't want it to be where you can each just kind of chill, have a movie on in the background and just build away and say, like, I'm only going to do science track this round. And you end up like at the end of the military track somehow You're like that was cool. Uh, <laughs> I really like seeing the combos like uh, we've definitely encountered some game breaking combos just playing in enough times where one of us is just like, oh, I managed to have like a 15 turn round somehow uh, where. <laughs> We just keep playing and the person's like already taken income three times and they're still like, are you on turn two? You're like, I don't know how. But I, I, I may still have here. done things like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I will say that's one of the reasons like the art track I actually really like is I think that makes it more viable for everyone to do. Mm-hmm. Like it just give it like it, by giving more options, it lets you do more of the other options somehow instead of like making it a more difficult choice, at least from my experience when we played with it. Exactly. Like it really allows you to kind of, if you don't really know, if you just want to play and and vibe, you can use the art track to just buff yourself and have a good time. And if you're someone who wants to really min max, you can like really take that art track, grab yourself a few upgrades and play the game with like a capital P, just really, (laughs) just really play it out. Um, And, get some interesting results. Like if you use some of the civilizations that are a little more, let's say game breaky and paired that with the arch track, I'm sure you could get a real high score. Is there a, do you have a favorite Civ that you'd like to play with? Um, gosh. Uh, so apart from the patch note, uh, civs, which mm. like, I find that very funny still that there's patch notes in the <laughs> tapestry box, um, including the new expansion. There's some patch notes in there. I'm like, good. Like I expected to have those. Uh, but they, I really like the, the city planners from the new ones that let me just kind of store buildings and then let me plan out my perfect city at the nearing the end of the game. Mm. Yeah, that sounds. That, that, I think that's pretty convenient. <laughs> that's a nice thing. Yeah, to have. <laughs> and like th- I also enjoy the comedy of tapestry, where I can have a civilization with mechs that can't read. <laughs> oh yeah, so, it's always funny when you actually read what you've unlocked. <laughs> yeah, you're like all right, so I have like gaming, advanced technology. I have no idea what a farm is. 
Yeah, like we we, we we have we have no system of commerce, but 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 we are in space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's get some stories about those civilizations. I like that aspect of it. Uh, that's awesome. I, I I'm glad that it's uh still working for you. And yeah, yeah. I I do like tapestry a lot. And I wonder if they're you know I I feel like personally I felt like after arts and architecture. I'm like, I don't know if I want another tapestry expansion. I don't want the game to get too. I don't want yeah. it, like two more boards or anything. Yeah, but. like I, we we had we were into Everdell for a while, and then after you buy oh. two Everdell expansions, you can't fit it on a table, uh, <laughs> and you're like, oh god, what are we doing? So I, I kind of agree with you there. Like the idea that there's just another track that you've put kind of shove off to the side. They're like, here you go. Right. Yeah. Uh, when we reviewed the art one, I felt like if they were going to do other boards like this, it would have to be a module module where you choose one. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. don't think. I mean, maybe you could do an all in. Like for example, you could technically go all in on all the boards in Arkham Horror Second Edition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really wouldn't recommend it. Like you choose the one you want to play with. Exactly. Kind of like I've I've only seen a uh have you you know the there's a rule variant where you use two copies of Arkham and all the expansions and it's meant for twenty five investigators. Oh god. <laughs> and it's just a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Who would want to do that? Why? <laughs> it takes like fifteen hours to do anything. Like I don't I don't know what it's for. <laughs> I'd take my turn and be like, all right guys, I'm gonna go take a shower. I assume we'll get halfway around the table by then. Table being a very <laughs> yeah, like how do you even do that? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Convention, maybe... that's how. Yeah, right. It's a mega game at that point. Uh, for tapestry, maybe they could do like modular, like um, new, like you cover up the science track with a new version of the science track. That'd be that cool. Could be an interesting angle for it. But anyway, so yeah. that's tapestry. Uh, anything else that you you want to highlight you've been playing recently, or is that the that the uh, biggest and like, best stuff? That's like other than the the regulars, we haven't really played much in the in the new space recently. We have some games on the back burner, but uh, nothing nothing else yet. Don't we all? Don't we all? Well, uh, well, you you played something I have not had the chance to play yet, but uh, we I think we'll be reviewing it sometime in the relatively near future. What was that one all about? So what I looked at was Valiant Wars. This is a push-your-luck deck builder. The idea is you're conquering new lands and stuff, but uh, you'll be flipping over cards to gather either coin to buy from the lineup or swords. After At the end of each round, whoever has the most sword earns the, the, the city usually or castle you're fighting over, adds that to your deck, which actually hurts you. But whoever gets the most victory points uh, wins, so you, you still want them. The, hmm. What works, though, is you flip a card. Everyone flips a card one at a time, and they decide whether they want to stay or keep going. The reason is every deck has starts off with three dark omens. You get more as you get more victory points. So the closer to victory, the more you have. If two of them show up, you're done. You don't get to do any buying. You don't get to do you don't get like a consultation prize. So there's a lot of just, oh, God. If you flip one over, that's when you're like, oh, no. How much <laughs> space do I have? Wait, so is it like on your turn you draw as many cards as you want until you think you should stop? You, everyone draws about? at the same time. You just flip and reveal. Okay. okay. You don't have a hand of cards. And you then shuffle everything back in your deck so there's not like a discard pile. 
which brings up probably, I mean, need to play more. I only did with uh, one other person. We haven't seen the results of it, but already it's like, oh God, if you like this game, you need sleeves. Like you are (laughs) shuffling every single time. But the one thing I do really like about it is we've played any deck builder. There are times when maybe like the lineup's full of expensive cards, you know, and maybe you have to buy your, your kicks, your, your basic (laughs) unit and you feel bad about it. And sometimes you're like, Oh, I guess I won't buy anything because I don't want to water down my deck. That's the exact opposite here because you're shuffling everything together and you really only worry about those dark omens. Uh, You can only do two purchases on your turn. So a lot of times you'll be like, I'll buy this card and the basic soldier make my deck big. That's great. (laughs) It only adds. So like there's there, it's much harder to have a bad purchase turn unless you, 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 you break. That's cool. So you're not worried about your deck being watered down or necessarily. Yes. That being said, it does feel bad when you do bust because there is no consultation prize. I thought busting makes you feel good. All right. (laughs) Not in this case. Okay. Uh, Well, that's too bad. Uh, But, but the rest of it sounds intriguing. So I'm, I'm definitely interested to play. This is from uh, Strange Machine Games. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's got a, it's also got kind of a, it's a, it looks pretty anime inspired. Yeah, it's got a style. nice little art style. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Valiant Wars. Uh, we, we played a couple other games specifically at a game night that also you'll be seeing us in depth review this week or next week on our YouTube channel. Uh, but the first one is dreadful circus. This is a new one from portal games and it's an auction game where everybody is a carnival barker running their own weird freaky circus. And all the art is sort of uh, kind of like tarot cards looking a weird macabre creepy art, which is fun. Not in a, not gory or gross or anything, just kind of a fun spooky vibe. And you are bidding for different cards, which have different powers. They'll help you score at the end of the game. But the twist is your bids are all totally secret. You put your money as well as uh, you can bid with these things called contracts, which are also worth points. And you put them inside a little box. Everybody has their own little tiny cardboard box. And then you put that forward. And the person who's selling the card off gets to look in one box at a time. Uh, and if they don't like what's in that box, they can reject the bid. But if they keep rejecting bids, they'll eventually be stuck with the last one. They don't get to look at everything up front and see who gave them the best money. Uh, they kind of have to go on, on their instinct or maybe on what the people are at the table are trying to convince them, saying, no, mine is the best. Don't open anyone else's. That's the best deal you're going to get. And sometimes they're right, and sometimes they're not right. And uh, we played with uh, five people. The game goes up to eight. And also, at most player accounts, there are two sellers at the same time, I think, just to keep the game moving and it also gives players options because you can bid on either one of the two cards that are available to you the weird thing about this game so overall i'll just say we enjoyed it the weird thing about this game comes from designer uh, bruno fiduti and looking reading up on the game on board game geek before we played there are a number of posts from him he also made a whole post on his blog about the fact that he uh, does not agree with the rules as printed <laughs> in this edition of the game. Okay. And apparently when Portal Games did the testing and the publishing and all that uh, after they got the rights to it, or they did not consult him and he did not get final approval. And according to him and most of the other people I've seen discussing it, the scoring and some of the cards are just like not even balanced properly. And he has a set of fixes <laughs> 
<laughs> for his own game that he designed. Heck yeah. <laughs> on his website. I mean, I'm I'm curious, uh, Ben. What what do you think about it? as a designer uh, how that how that would make you feel if you sold so, a, a game like, to a company? Here's the thing, right? Is like that's a it's a mysterious space. The working at the design space, right? Like when you you in a company is like publishing your idea and you're working through it. Uh, sometimes they can just make changes uh, to the to the art or to the style uh, depending on the the frame of like how the agreement was made uh, when you're designing the game but that just sounds like a little bit of a like a mess Uh, sounds like somewhat like an email was missed or something uh, because like having an imbalanced final product is definitely not what you're looking to do at the end of the game so like good on bruno for putting out the patch notes i think that's a really like great idea and you know i've even in games that like make it to completion sometimes things happen and you realize like oh no that's completely broken i need to fix that uh so you kind of put out an announcement like hey maybe you should play this way it would make the experience a lot better or it's just this doesn't really work as intended so i think it's really good to have that honesty uh but the whole scenario itself sounds like a bit of a mess yeah, it's I, I I can't I feel I don't think I've ever seen, you know, of course, there have been no errata and stuff like that. But it really is crazy to see a designer just outright just on the face of it disagreeing with the version. Yeah, that that's the part that doesn't feel great. Right. Is uh, like working with the company. It's all good. And then, oh, no, where why is this happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh will did you feel like it was like one thing i was a little nervous about was because everybody has a little game screen to hide their money and stuff and on the back of it it has scoring information and i had to tell everybody before we play by the way uh just disregard those numbers <laughs> we're not going to be playing with that uh did you feel like it was it seems like everybody i think like you know got into the groove of it relatively easily though we didn't it's... go crazy with it the thing is in this case, the scoring thing is one of the times where the the updates patch notes are much more feasible because it's something that is behind the screen, even though it's switched. It's like, okay, it's still from top to bottom is the hot. That is usually good, and that's the best. Unless you're the kind of person who's very good at, like, card counting and stuff and could be like, if Will gets that, he's netting two points, and then you're going to have a harder time be more annoyed. Mm. Well, the problem with the circuit game, it wasn't just that it was there were cards in the deck. You know, going back to Tapestry, all the updates are for the big Civ cards, so it's very easy to know what the changes are. You don't have to feel like you go through a thing. Mm-hmm. When looking at a deck of cards is more like the Arkham Horror card game where they have their, I forget what the word is for their update cards, and for me, I'm like, I- I'm not going to keep track of that. Yeah. I-, I mean, I know Machete's a little weaker now. I think it has two experience points now or something, or... Because they're but not putting out a reprint. Shuffled. Yeah, what? like they're expecting. They're not like reprinting a new version of the card, right? They're expecting you to like have a new homework somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I wish they did a reprint. I would if they said we're releasing a set. It's literally just the reprints of the cohorts. I'd be like, great. I'm or, more than happy for the more balanced things. Like even just release. Like you don't even have to reprint the whole game. Just re- reprint the cards, right? And be like, right. oh, here's the patched version, guys. Like it's ten, fifteen dollars. Here's all the cards. Yeah. Yeah, stickers. You could do a sticker, maybe. Stickers is cool. Yeah, <laughs> probably works. Better it, if sticker. Free. It depends on. Th- it wouldn't work for something where you shuffle cards because those will be yeah. off. 
Right. If it's sleeved, though, I think it could work. Mandatory sleeving with the stickers. Yeah, right. At least as an option. It'd be something, you know, better than nothing. Mm But yeah, yeah, it's a a little crazy. But uh, you you can, again, wait for our full review. But I still think we still had fun with the game. But it is hard because I feel like most people, if they buy this, aren't going to (laughs) know. Like, they're not checking board games. (laughs) How is the average consumer going to know? Yeah, so I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, the other one that we played is a big one that, uh, yeah, we've definitely talked about in the show before, and that's Oath Chronicles of Empire and Exile from, from Leader Games. Yeah, this is the big uh, di- diplomatic war game, in a sense. It's kind of got, like you'll see again in our review, <laughs> I find it hard to describe. It's There's, there's combat, there's uh, resource management, there's you know drawing cards and playing them <laughs> you know that, yeah. like, that, that kind of a game <laughs> um and it's a big sprawling adventure game and the big uh the big twist of this one is that each time you finish the game the setup of it is going to change before the next session and so now we've actually had the chance to experience that aspect of it and seen how the at the end of a game like you'll add new cards to the deck and the layout of the starting set up on the board is going to change there's going to be different areas for you to visit that are available different uh relics are going to be coming out for you from the relic deck which are like powerful items you get to use ben do you have any idea about oath or or maybe root like have you played these so designs? i've played both uh o- oh, oath awesome. is pretty fun um i've played like two rounds of it so far uh <laughs> okay. and both times the person has stayed in charge um so it is uh i have yet to experience a power shift um but i've really enjoyed the legacy like dynamic of the game just like continuing to develop the uh the story of your own like world here yeah we've had i think i don't think well so our second game was just the two of us so that's a little we have actually shifted the player counts have you done it been playing with uh more or less the same group so we've been pl- I've played it twice at the same group, uh, okay. three people. So the usually just one person off to the side being the uh, God, what's the, the chancellor? Chancellor. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'd definitely be interested to hear more of that case study and <laughs> how that continues to go. Uh, we've had uh, let's see the first game in Exile One, the second game the Chancellor One, and then our most recent game in Exile One again. And now, assuming if and when we play another game of this, again, it's, you know, we're bad at scheduling and <laughs> there's always so many new <laughs> games to play. I'm I'm interested because now we have two citizens that are that are in play. And our last game we had, I was a citizen. And this, for anyone who doesn't know, this is like you're sort of you're sort of uh, controlling the same units as the chancellor. If you're a citizen, I'm sorry if you don't know what the oath is, because I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to explain in a in audio form. Yeah, uh, it's really unique in terms of how much is going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so there's so there's that, uh, and not not to give too much away, but Will is not the biggest fan of this game, <laughs> whereas I I like it. I really 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 like it a lot. Uh, but I don't know any. Uh, what, what do you any thoughts, Will, about the most recent session, or maybe like the again that contrast of the shift in power or playing with different groups and things like that. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's anything to add that I don't just say repeat over. <laughs> you can repeat yourself from the review. It's fine. People won't. It, maybe it is watch a game it. that I think conceptually I love 
the watch because I like the end game system, the sort of legacy elements of it. It really is the most legacy, non-legacy game I've seen. <laughs> but, we can talk about that too. I want to know what what defines a legacy game, and <laughs> I, I guess yeah. I, I mean it's sort of like it ha- to me when after playing it, like, and we have had shifting player accounts. I'm like, I wouldn't a game like this. I wouldn't want to play unless I had the same four people. Like, I would rather I would be more dismissed about shifting people in this game than Pandemic Legacy. Like, I could see swapping or adding a person in that much more comfortably to me mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. just like yeah. the feel of it yeah um, yeah i get that so that's i think it's that's what i'm more when i bring up legacy it's not like literally having stickers or destroying things it's the the expectation i guess yeah, the, or the like you said building. jonathan that we need to schedule the fact you had to say we need to schedule this <laughs> right yeah i mean my I, I I it's I assume Ben you're playing with the roommate and one other person. Yeah, that, like that, people who flow in and out of our board game nights. If we're like, oh, do we want to play a longer one? Yeah, like my yeah my ideal situation for this game would definitely be like like yeah, there's people around and it it wouldn't be like oh it's game night let's let's bring it out. It would be like it's oath night. <laughs> Sunday night yeah. is oath night, <laughs> uh, or every other Sunday or something. Like for people who really like the let's do D&D night kind of thing. Or like my I know I have a friend who every week they play Gloomhaven for like the last two years. And I'm like, how are you not? How is there still more? Yeah. (laughs) They just keep playing it. Like uh, my friend uh, has been playing the same Kingdom Death campaign for three years. And I don't think they've killed the lion yet. (laughs) And I'm like how you're throwing yourself against the first boss for three years that's crazy (laughs) look they're just doing all the side quests (laughs) it's like there's so much building for that game (laughs) uh so anyway that's oath and uh you can you can get it it's a big expensive game uh but there's some there's some cool stuff for it if you want more again we'll have reviews of all this stuff on our on our channel that's the games we've been playing. We're going to close the show out. I'm very excited because we are going to play a board game game. That's right. It's a board game game. Uh, this week, inspired by, uh, Ben, your your history with theme park mm-hmm. in, in, in the world of board games and, and, and outside of that world as well. This week, we are playing, once again, uh, one of my favorite games, Pasted On Theme Park. And this is a game in which we are all, hypothetically, we've all been hired to work on a new theme park, a new land, a new branded world based on some board game property. And I thought what would be fun this week, uh, bringing it back to the beginning of the show, is if we went with Wizards of the Coast, if you will, a uh, uh, Wizardsing of the Coast world of... <laughs> board games as a little universal studios <laughs> pun that's basically why i picked this uh what would this hypothetical theme park be now i think you could just do uh, a dungeons and dragons you could just do a magic of the gathering but we'll open those are probably the two primary ones people you can feel free to dig as much as you want but anyone I, no pressure anyone can jump in if you have an idea what would be an awesome ride or a or a restaurant or a show what's what's going on at as wizards of the coast world who's who's got something throw it out there 
<laughs> All right. Uh, I need to pull up a very specific Magic the Gathering card for this one. Uh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> first of all, it's going to be based on the new un- uh, the new unset. That one literally is a circus. Okay. Mm. In like affairs. But no, the restaurant, Jonathan, is going to th- – th- this has to be there. Would be the Asmaranda Amar Dicadius – Danic Dulac. I'm do I, it's the, do it's, I need to call this somebody? This is an <laughs> official magic card. It's got like 26 letters in it. And she is canonically a chef from hell. Okay. And All she right. has to have a restaurant there. Just so everyone says, where are we meeting up? We're meeting up at uh, just everyone horribly saying the name just like I did. <laughs> okay, good, good. I'm, I, I like it. Maybe they'll have to come up with a nickname or something. How about how about this Black Lotus teacup ride? Okay. <laughs> would it be little... uh, would it cost uh, ten thousand dollars to get on it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a maybe it's like a huge teacup ride, but all just one of them is a Black Lotus, so it's like. <laughs> It's very hard to get into it. <laughs> oh, man, I'm on the Gilded Lotus. <laughs> oh, I mean, dang it. We were kind of talking about it uh, before with like the VR stuff. But I do the idea of just being able to explore these places. You know, my frame of reference is more Dungeons and Dragons. Even that I don't I, we've done mostly homebrew Dungeons and Dragons stuff. So I, I'm not as steeped in the lore and everything. But there's plenty of, you know, like the areas of the map would be you go to Waterdeep or you're going to uh, uh, Baldur's Gate or whatnot. I mean, there's well, a whole land of um, what's it called? The the dragon one. What's what I would think called? they could do is in Universal Japan, they have a Monster Hunter ride in which you put on a VR headset and they give you like you choose like great sword or, or or like long sword and stuff, and you have like I think tools, and you you will fight a monster together. So like walking around a room, so they could do something like that with D and D. Like you, here's your bow if you're the ranger. Oh, so here's it's an axe like for the barbarian. Um, it's like it the void. Awesome. There's like yeah, no, VR pretty much experience. half these rides. What we really want to do is just copy all the stuff from you know, like Japan's amusement <laughs> well, parks. That's, that's the, what we really want. To do. Yeah. yeah. The basis for it. <laughs> yeah, let's bring back that that dueling dragons coaster from Universal yes. Studios. Remember the one that had the two row coasters that would go in sync with each other? Yes. We rebrand it for the D and D movie from 2005. So it's Jeremy Irons <laughs> is at every twist, um, screaming his lines uh, as you're twisting around each other. Yeah, uh, and you bring can, it back. I had to bring it back. You know, you said we were bringing it back. Uh, so, you know, you could have like a virtual Wayans brother in the queue line, uh, <laughs> who's like entertaining and then you go on and experience the, the movie. <laughs> it's just, it, I mean, you could just have a 4d, you just get to sit in the air conditioning and watch it. Oh, like the Shrek 4d. Yeah, that's right. Not in universe. Rest, rest in peace. Shrek 4d. Shut yeah. down. Yeah. Uh, oh, Jonathan, they, mm, hey. they technically have a uh, Avalon Hill now, right? So. We got to have a haunted betrayal at the house on the hill. Yeah, you could put oh, that in there. Great. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would do a betrayal uh, escape room or something. Oh, that'd be oh super yeah. cool. Uh, where it's like, oh, you don't know what one you're going to get this time, but at some point, one of the many mythos cards is going to get pulled, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there's plenty of stuff there. Uh, I mean, I was thinking of before when you were talking about different roles and stuff. You know, originally the Galaxy's Edge Park at Disney they had talked about how it's like, you're going to, you know, you'll have a storyline as you go. And depending on what happens on the ride you're at, like uh, someone might 
come to the restaurant and be like, oh, you stopped the rebellion or you did whatever that's supposed to carry throughout the park. Like none of this really happened because I just think logistically it was too hard like, and great in theory. Yeah, but it well, it might be cool. Maybe there's like an app integration or maybe on your wristband or whatever that uh, you do when you enter like get to pick a class or something for your stay. And maybe maybe if you go on a ride, it's like bards sit in this section or something like that. That'd be super cool. Just like the you walk in and maybe the RFID tag, like even if they right. assign it randomly, like a someone walks in and it's like, welcome, Ranger. You're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would definitely, yeah, I could definitely see like you could either be like, choose, you can choose a class or if you wanted like Planeswalker, choose your color identity. And mm-hmm. like by doing certain rides or you check in in restaurants, you unlock like if you went to this restaurant, congrats, you can choose to put trample on your and maybe you could print out a card at the end. Yeah. Like, mm, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. There's fun stuff. Great there. idea. <laughs> There's fun stuff. Did you know that Dueling Dragons ride was uh, the initially plan a plan for a ride in Animal Kingdom at Disney? That doesn't surprise me, like the crossover between all the engineers down there, right? Like they yeah. must have like yeah. proposed it over there first. There was supposed to be like a like a whole fantasy creature section of Animal Kingdom that never they like had to cut out of the budget. And then like those they later just ended up at Universal. There's just your little nerdy theme park bonus fact. <laughs> and now it's and now it's James Cameron Avatar Land. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What would be that would be the weird? I guess well you have you have to have a whole land now around the Dungeons and Dragons movie from yeah. So it two- would be D and D Land. You'd like you'd see Matt Mercer saying like Welcome to Dungeons oh, and Dragons yeah. Land. Oh, that's I a whole other thing. I am now imagining like a Matt Mercer mascot. It's not someone who just looks like Matt Mercer. It's like a they have a giant head, like head, like a Matt, like uh, the long hair. It looks like him. It's like a weird, scary, chibi version just walking around. You're like, oh, cool. Let me. Get, I got Matt's signature. <laughs> yeah, can we get some animatronic like beholders or something? Oh, uh, like maybe like a beholder like Zorb ride. Like you're put in an orb and you're rolling around in a beholder. Mm, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's a that's a no brainer right there. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of those. You know, merry go round, but it's like dragons. <laughs> I don't they, know. One know of there, there's an Axis and Allies laser tag. <laughs> okay yeah we're trying to trying to dig for the the deep properties yeah i mean if you want a good laser tag I, they're doing a what is it at adepticon they're doing a 40k laser tag tournament and i just don't understand what those words mean was is that <laughs> were, were they doing that when we were at pax will this didn't you say there was there like, was a laser tag thing i don't know if it was 40k themed because all i, I know i just I just imagine this is how I imagine a 40k themed laser tag thing to go up. All right, everyone go. Everyone starts charging, and then you just hear, hear from above, "Exterminatus incoming!" and then everyone dies. <laughs> like one space marine just it, it annihilates 15 people. <laughs> all right, congratulations! You're all playing as guardsmen. Uh, oh, this is the, the other side are Jukari. Have fun. <laughs> You you all have shovels. <laughs> oh my god, you're the trench people. You have shovels. <laughs> this sounds dark. Sounds Honestly, exciting. I want that's I want this this Wizard of the Coast thing that have like a side deal, the games workshop it land. <laughs> and it's just all dark and depressing. It's just <laughs> like it's the saddest place on earth. <laughs> it just every you go to the shop like, hey, can I get a hot dog? We're out of hot dogs. 
we, we've never <laughs> had drink. those. We're out of that. <laughs> or worse, they they do they do have hot dogs. <laughs> you have to eat one of them. Oh god, it's all Jukari theme. Which uh, Jonathan, those are the dark elves who just like torturing everyone a lot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Two theme parks for the price of one on this board game game. One you might want to go to. One you probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> or you'd love it. I don't know. Depends on your mood. You get into yeah, right. Get into the role playing. Uh, speaking of role playing, and by the way, we are not. Uh, we are not officially endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, although, you know, we might as well be. If you want the Wizards, we'll totally accept it. Call us. Yeah. These ideas are up for grabs. Uh, just a million dollars is all we ask, and you can oh, have yeah. them. Uh, ben, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. <laughs> and uh, I'm happy to inform you that you have earned some experience points. And you get to spend those points right now by telling everybody listening how and where they could follow you somewhere on the web and the stuff you're doing. Uh, Yeah, sure. Um, I have an Instagram I'm going to start posting again on at uh, Sobine underscore mini. So lots of uh, miniature painting and future contents, 3D printing, other stuff. Uh, As far as like professional work, um, I'm still working on some stuff. So you'll hear from me on ver- those various platforms, probably either on Instagram or on my Twitter, which is uh, AFKA underscore Sovine. Awesome. We will put links to those in the show notes. People definitely should keep track, see which I'm excited to see what you got coming out next. Uh, yeah. But that's going to be the end of the show. So again, thank you for, thanks for hanging out with us. It was fun to talk. Thanks for bringing stuff. me on. I appreciate it. You were a delight. Uh, if people listening want uh, more Roll for Crit stuff, of course, you can go to rollforcrit.com to find it or YouTube videos and all that good stuff. Uh, we got a Patreon page if you're into that kind of thing. We got bonus podcasts over there as well as our Discord channel at patreon.com slash rollforcrit. Uh, or if you've got a question or a comment, you can become part of our Meeple Gallery and email us at meeplegallery at gmail.com. Anything about the world of board games we will we will answer your questions and talk about it on the show but that's it thanks again everyone for listening i'm jonathan i'm will oh there he is there's will (laughs) and it's been the roll for crit podcast